Welcome to Baba Education Institute. My name is Reverend Henry Kelly. Today, we'll be continuing the book of Revelations in chapter 5. And that's the last book in the whole Bible. In the New Testament, that would be the last book. And before we get started on that, I always like to read you what the Bible is so you always have it. Why we can trust the Bible and how do we know that that the Bible is something we could depend on. Okay, and I got this again from Dr. Vodi Bakken, which you can find online. Just put in uh, Vodi Bakken Ministries and it'll pull it right up. And you can also watch it on YouTube. And so let me, let me read this so you can defend what the Bible is. The Bible, a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, 40 authors, 66 volumes of books, a span of 1,500 years, in three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, written in three languages, mainly Hebrew and Greek, a little in Aramaic, hundreds of subjects and topics. Okay? So, and like I said before, if you're going to school, whether it's uh, middle school, high school, um, and even, you know, elementary, like, you know, the higher grades in elementary, you know, for some of the students that are uh, you know, pretty more mature, but um, or college age, you know, and and you may have a teacher or instructor or a professor who doesn't believe in the Bible, and they tend to, on a regular basis, put the Bible down and all this stuff. At least you have a way to refute what they're saying, because we can trust the Bible, and there are witnesses, etc., cetera, and etc. Cetera. Okay, so remember, I'll be reading. We'll be using the uh, the New International Version, just to make it easy. Many verses of light, the King James Version. Uh, one of my favorites now is is the New King James Version, because you get, it's almost the same, but it's like some of the harder words in modern language, so it really helps a lot. But like the NIV, um, the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, uh, the end of uh, the New Living Translation. Uh, they were they were directly translated from the Bible by Bible scholars and language scholars of Hebrew and um, uh, Hebrew Greek and Aramaic. So that's what you could depend on. A lot of them. Uh, in fact, I was just curious, and I was reading a little in the Message Bible, which was not translated directly from the Bible, and it did not have scholars. It was just one person. Um, and he was, I, th I can't remember what denomination, but it's one of the most more liberal denominations of a pastor. And he just decided to translate it, making it uh, easy to understand, you know. But when I was, I was reading some of the areas that are important, like in uh, Luke chapter 16, when it talks about how the rich man and Lazarus, and says when the rich man died, he lifted us up in hell. Of course, my, and uh, the other translations normally say Hades, which means the same thing. It, it means hell. But I noticed in the Message Bible, it kind of got away from all that, you know. And even when you go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 and 13, it's very, like, it's not real clear. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's very um, fuzzy, like, you know, hard to understand. I'm like, it, it, it None of that's hard to understand. So I noticed in the real important areas, it's kind of fuzzy. And so that will probably be because, you know, we all have biases. And apparently he did that in his own bias. 
maybe with a good uh, uh, good intentions, but it's still not good because he just did it himself. You know, it, it looks good, sounds good, but a lot of areas it's not good at all because it's very fuzzy. And it that will go on what what his teaching was or what or whatever new a new instructions he learned himself and so he put it into that book but it's not directly translated like the other ones are that's, that's where I cannot not even to read it just as a literary book uh -uh. you don't want to read things that are false you know and remember there's a saying it's called hell's, hell is paid with good intentions paved with good intentions you know, and even though he may have had good intentions, but his mind, you know, was not where it needed to be. And that's why you need a group of people, like a larger group of professional scholars. That's what they do. That's what they are. They went to school for it. You know, they're good at it. They're, they're proficient at it, and they know what they're talking about and directly translate it, you know, and then discuss it with the others and all like that to make sure it's completely accurate. That's how you do it, but that there, no. Mm -mm. And there's another one too, and that goes with that other, uh, the other group which we uh, we call it a um, cult, and that would be the Jehovah Witness. Uh, their Bible, they did the same thing. Uh, one or two guys went in there that belonged uh, to the organization. And they were not scholars at all. They might have had a little training or whatever, but they were not scholars and they didn't have a group or anything like that. And they did the same thing, but they purposely took out a lot of areas that they didn't believe in. Um, it's like the founder of that cult or religious beliefs, however you want to look at it, but it's still a cult. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but you can look it up online, the founder of the Jehovah Witness, and it'll pull it up. And it says there, when he was younger, he was going to, I think, a more, you know, conservative uh, Christian church. And he didn't like when he got on hell or, or certain other subjects. He didn't like it. So when he got a little older, he just started his own thing, you know. And he took all that out, and that's really sad. You know, because you're deceiving a lot of people, and they'll end, they're ending up in hell because, you know, they they went along with that deception. You know, as and, you have to be careful because you get drawn into that real quickly, you know. So anyway, so let's get back on topic, which is Revelations. And I'll be reading from Revelations chapter 5. Before we get started, let me read you what the Matthew Henry uh, commentary says. And this is the complete commentary. And it says here, in the foregoing chapter, the prophetical scene was open in the sight and hearing of the apostle, and he had a sight of God the creator and ruler of the world and the great king of the church. He saw God on the throne of glory and government, surrounded with his holy ones and receiving their adorations. Now the counsels and decrees of God are set before the apostle as in a book which God held in his right hand, and this book is represented. I as sealed in the hand of God. And you can find this in chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. And then um, and then as taken in the hand of Christ, the Redeemer, to be unsealed and open. And that's verse 6 to the end. 
and I was reading a lot down there, and it was saying that um, that like some of those that was there were, were wanting to see what the prophecies were and all like that, but they were saying that it's not good f for those that want to see that because um, it's too it's not that it's too much for them, but it's just like you know the. Uh, I, I, According to what I was reading, it said that it wasn't good for certain ones to look at it, you know, and, and we just have to go by what what God wants done, because He's God and we're not, you know. He's, like I said before, He's infinite, He's almighty, He's the He's a judge of the universe, He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, He's omniscient, He's all that, man, He's everything, you know. Here, He knows the beginning to the end. You know, and then like put our human minds will question, well, why do we go through all this if he knows everything? Because that's what he wants to do. He's God. He's sovereign. That's like anybody who's sovereign over a, a nation. If a nation, you hear that they're sovereign, well, that means that they dictate what they're going to do for their nation and, and don't care about what other people feel, think, or anything else that doesn't pertain to them anyways. Right, and also if you have a dictator, it's going to be what he wants, whether you like it or not. Um, not saying that God's the dictator. I'm just going over what sovereign, you know, how to describe sovereign. You know, or if you have a king or whatever, the king is considered sovereign, and what he says goes, whether you agree with it or not. It's the same thing. Well, he's God's king, the king of the universe. This is how it is. You know, and, and a lot of people have a lot of trouble with that, especially those like. That go that have gone to a more liberal type Christian college if they're trying to you know go for divinity or biblical studies or whatever because they want to be a pastor, and then they then they go to one that uh, who believes like different things that is really not accurate according to what the Word of God says because they took it out of context, right? So you have like whole whole denominations. Because they've taken it out of context, because they don't know church history, or they don't know that they don't know it adequately or proficient enough, you know, to know church history, to know Greek, to know Hebrew, to understand what was being said, why it was being said, and all at that time, and that's why there's so much confusion. So when you have that, it it, it brings things into complete perspective and a complete context, accurate context. So like everything we're reading now, even with chapter 5, right, he was seeing all this, and the prophecies that they're talking about, the majority was, was the ones that were happening that was for that church. The, remember, it was for the current New Testament church that were going through a lot of uh, tribulation, going through a lot of persecution. Remember, uh, they've coined the phrase tribulation now when that's it's like going through a tribulation and that they've coined it doing different things. But remember, tribulation is just suffering, you know. You're suffering through something, so it's called tribulation because that's the verbiage that they use, the language that they used, you know. So you have to know all this to get the context because you can read something and you go in there and the context is completely false. Then you'll get a whole different meaning from what it's actually saying. And that's where all the confusion comes from. And for years now, many churches um, have learned a, a biblical areas, biblical subjects or whatever that 
or, or like you know certain uh, books of the Bible, whatever, with the wrong context. So they get something completely different out of that. It has nothing to do with what it's saying, but that's what we're putting into it. Okay. So I just thought I'd just share that to describe it. Okay, so let's get into reading it, because it's really good. So John gets to see see God on his throne. How wonderful is that? How terrific is that? Okay, Revelation chapter 5, and, and the title on the top is The Scroll and the Lamb. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Verse 2, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming a loud voice who was worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I, verse 4, I wept and wept because no one was found because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. So John was crying because of that. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. He's talking about the Lamb of God, that means Jesus. Verse 6, that I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and elders. Okay, now, what this is talking about is Jesus Christ, because he had risen from the dead, and remember, he was whipped, and he, was, and he had the spikes put in his hands and feet and everything. And when he showed himself, when he rose from the dead, and he showed himself to the, uh, the disciples, they could see the holes in his, his hands, you know. So, so that's... So that's the symbolism meaning that. So that's where we have to be careful at. Remember what you're seeing is, like if you know what that is, and automatically you know what the context is. So when it says in verse 6, that I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the corner of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, right away if you already know what that um, language means or verbiage means, it means... They're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay, let's continue. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent, sent out in all the earth. Okay, so that made that clear. Verse 7, He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Verse 8, And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one had a sharp, uh, excuse me, each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls, uh, bowls full of incense, I'm sorry, uh, which are the prayers of God's people, verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, verse 10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elder, the elders. 
Verse 12, in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Verse 13, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Verse 14, the last verse, the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Wow, that's powerful. That's mighty. That is mighty. Okay, and as we go along, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm like, you know, I always give you the commentary, uh, Matthew Henry, uh, the Matthew Henry commentary to get you, you know, to get you uh, to understand what it's going to talk about in that section. But actually, you can look it up here, and it's, um, it's actually BibleStudyTools.com. And really, and I can tell you how to get to it. Um, it's www.BibleStudyTools.com. And then once you go on there, you go to the menu and go to Study Tools and go to Commentaries, then down to Matthew Henry Commentary on the Bible, complete. There's one concise and one complete. Do the complete. And that will help you. And you can literally just look it up. You can look it on your phone or whatever. You can look it up and you can, you can kind of read through there and help you to understand. Now, Matthew Henry, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, he, did this, he did this Bible commentary, if I'm not mistaken, from the 1700s. You know, and he, he did a very good job. You know, here's what I have learned through a lot of study and years of, of research and all that kind of stuff, which is that the founding fathers and all them before us, uh, they were much smarter than we were because from the time the pilgrims came here, so you're talking about, what, 15, 1600s, um, they were – their their education was the Bible. Like, they learned how to read stuff, but they put the Bible in it. So that means, like, certain vowels or whatever that we learn today, they, they learned it, but it had it, it would describe, like, either Jesus or one of the disciples or something for that, and everything was based on, on the Bible, and they knew the Bible, and they also knew the correct... Uh, they also were, were taught Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, so they could truly understand. So they could literally read the original, like the Hebrew Bible, the the, the Old Testament, Jewish Bible, and uh, uh, they can read the uh, the New Testament that came out around the 1500s with Martin Luther. And when the printing press came out, and that's when they started to print it, because before everything had to be done by hand. So it was, it was Bibles were very hard to get and very rare, you know. And but then when that happened, then you know everybody was at least able to get at least one one Bible in a family, or at least one Bible in you know a few families. But it was a lot better than what it was, because that's how important the Christian uh, the Christian belief was, the Bible was to them. So, anyways, and so our founding fathers and all they were all raised in the Bible, so they knew the Bible. There were some that they may not have been, you know. Uh, of you know, fully on board yet or whatever, but they still knew the Bible because that was part of their education. But the majority were 
strong believers and and a lot of them were preachers and and all this stuff and uh and even the ones that weren't fully on board still knew it like they knew it and they respected it and they feared god you know we've come so far down from there because this is about the 1920s when in america with the public schools and around that area when um when a a non-christian um public schools like overseer for the whole thing when he decided to start changing stuff and taking that like start start to remove all that and so so literally from that time down we've been dumbed down and like um the i think it was i had her story i don't know how accurate it is but it, it i've heard it several times it seems to be pretty accurate but it said that um that they gave, I think it was like the ninth grade, the eighth, the seventh, eighth, or ninth grade test to professors these days, and nobody has yet to be able to pass it. So that's how um, dumbed down we are today. Because the further you get away from the Bible and from the original, and the further you get away from how the founding fathers formed everything, then that's why we have all the problem we have today. Because our nation, our, uh, um, our representative government, uh, which is a republic, and our laws come from the Old Testament. Well, most laws around the world does. But America's based, the system we have only works for a godly and moral people. And that's why it's breaking down now because they're trying to remove God from everything. And when you remove God from everything, then you have just a bunch of uh, smart evil people or you just have those that don't know a whole lot but they become evil because they don't know the Bible they don't know they don't have the fear of God anymore because they haven't been taught anything and they've removed so much from the public schools we used to have civics when I was in school and civics is where they teach you about the American government how it worked and everything else and uh, there used to be prayer in school and like that and then in like 62 around 62 they um Somebody sued, uh, I think it was uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare. She was an atheist, and her whole family was like that. But uh, she sued the government, and for whatever reason, won, and had the, uh, had the Ten Commandments removed from all schools and everything. And from that time, we've, we felt it, you know. But I don't know why they allowed her to do all that. But that's what happened. You start getting judges and all that. Um, who are going to more liberal schools that don't teach it anymore, and this is what happens. And so the more things are taken out, the generations that come behind us gets even worse. And after a while, it, they just destroy themselves because they know nothing, you know? Then the ones that who do have some, some kind of an education, they have a wicked education because they don't have God in their education, so therefore their worldview is a worldly worldview, if you're a true believer, a Christian, a real Christian, then you have a biblical worldview. So both those worldviews collide. They don't work together. The only one that actually works properly is the biblical worldview. Plus you have uh, you love you have a love for people, you have mercy on people like that. The other one does not. And plus the other one, the uh the secular worldview, which is the worldly view, without God, but the secular view is there's no morals, you know, and 
And then, you know, you're pretty much an atheist because you don't believe in the Bible. So therefore, there's no morals. This is why this is so important. That's why there's so many ministries I hear who's trying to teach the Bible and all like that. And we're doing the same thing. Um, and I do this because I love people. I want to see everybody go to heaven. Um, but also for those Christians, you know, we need to know the Bible. And it's very important. But now, with all the tools we have now with online and computers and phones and all, you have a computer on your phone, your phone's a computer. You look. You can study anything you want to now. It's there, you know. So we need to take advantage of that. Okay, so let me get off my soapbox. Let me give you some scripture verses. Exodus chapter 4 and 11, the NIV. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or, or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? See, God does what he wants to do. He's sovereign. John chapter 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the King James Version. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 to 31, NIV. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Verse 31, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, which would be Christ, Jesus. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. See how it's very clearly you're talking about Jesus? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, NIV. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Godly sorrow worketh patience. And we'll stop there with that. And I want to give you some salvation scriptures that I always give you, because it's good to know this. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, King James Version. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth in the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made of salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, King James Version. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Romans chapter 17, King James Version. So the faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, and that's why we do the things we do here. Okay, let's go through just a couple commandments. Have you ever, have you ever lied? We all have, a little white lie, whatever, said something that wasn't completely true. Remember, God's standards are higher than ours. So we've all lived, uh, uh, have lied. So what he calls the one that lies, you call him a liar. We've all done that. Have you ever looked at another person with lust? If you're any kind of normal person, you have. According to Jesus, he said, if you look at another person with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So, that, so that's two right there. Have you ever... Uh, stole anything Have you borrowed something Didn't return it Or you picked up a pen From somewhere And you just walked off with it 
um, or a paperclip, borrowed a paperclip, whatever, or, or just took it, nobody there, or whatever it is. Remember, God's standards are high, 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 and ours are low, low, low. So we could do everything, and we're fine with it, you know, but not to God is the intent. You know, so just those three right there in this 10. Says those three, that would make us what? A lying, adulterer, thief at heart. Those are just three. And that goes for me too. When I came to Christ, then through Christ, he makes us um, holy. We don't. But through his shed blood that that he sacrificed when he was on the cross and he took all of our punishment. So so when you come to Christ, then he covers you supernaturally with his blood. So in other words, because of him, now we can come if we believe in Christ, if we believe in God, if we repent, we come with a sorrowful, contrite heart and repent of our sins. Then we can have heaven for eternity and we could be with God in heaven. And then we can live for God down here, and it's a whole lot better when you do it God's way. I mean, you're still going to have problems. We live in a fallen world. We live in a, an evil world because Adam and Eve disobeyed God. So from that time, then corruption came, and that's why there's dust and rust and, you know, things, you know, they're, they're born and they, they live and they die and everything. It goes for plants and animals and us, everything, you know. Because of that, but the spirit always lives. So your spirit can either live in heaven with God or it's going to be in torment in hell for the rejection of God. You can reject God, but that's on you. So so what do we need to do? Well, it's kind of like if, um, if you go to a doctor, he gives you what your sickness is first before he can give you the cure. You won't want the cure. So... What I did, I just gave you what the sickness was, which is our sins. And I only showed you three of the ten moral laws, which are called the Ten Commandments. And that's only three. You can break one and you're still, like, if, if you just break one, and it don't matter if you did it when you're a child, whatever, you're still guilty of it. That's how, that's how righteousness, that's why, how righteousness works. Don't matter if it was past, everything's in the past. Like right now, what I'm talking about, the next second is going to be in the past. So everything is always in the past, you know, when you critically think about it. So you know you're guilty. What do you do? Well, you humble yourself before God. You, you come with a sort of a contrite heart because you know you're guilty and you're on your way to hell. If God was to judge you by those commandments or moral laws, would you be going to heaven or hell? We would be going to hell. And I don't want that for anyone, but, you know, um, you can reject. I mean, there's some people who just go to reject it. See, God knows who's coming and not coming. So then you'll say, well, why bother if he knows? We don't know. He knows everything, but we don't. So he knows what his plan is. He already had everything. It's like he knew from the get-go before he even started because he's God. And then some people say, well, who made God? God's always been. God's, uh, God is not bound by matter or time or anything. He can do what he wants to when he does or how he wants because he's God. He is the creator. He created all things and that's just how it is. Now our minds, you know, we want to rationalize it and think about it all, but remember, we're human. 
We live in time and matter and all that, so we're restricted. But God's not. That's why we can't completely think how God thinks we can. It's not going to happen. Uh, plus, we're in a human body that's corrupt. And nothing corruptible will go to heaven. The spirit, the spirit will go to heaven or hell, depending as what we just went over. And that's why I implore you to come to Christ. Repent of your sins. You know, ask God for forgiveness. Repentance means that you're sorry for what you've done. You realize what you've done is wrong, and you're coming, and you're asking for forgiveness. Then you take the trust you have in yourself, and you put it into Christ alone. It's kind of like if you're on a plane about to crash. Somebody gives you the parachute. You're going to hold on to your dear life because it's going to save you from the jump to come. Jesus saves you from the judgment to come. It's just that simple. It's not rocket science. So, yeah, people want to complicate it. What I've learned when I used to be wicked is like this. When you want to deceive, you, you say it's complicated. Or when you don't want to do something, you say it's complicated. You know, or when you want, like, it's like in politics, you know, when they, when it becomes so complicated, there's like so much there is because they're doing that purposely because they don't want you to find out what they're doing. But see, God knows. He knows everything. No matter how smart we might think we are, we're not. So I would implore you to do that today. Let me give you some resources. You can watch this on YouTube and also go to their websites, uh, Dr. Vodi Bakum. And you can go and just put in Vody Baca Ministries on your search engine and bring it up. R.C. Sproul, link in their ministries on YouTube and also Vody Baca on YouTube. And all this is on YouTube and their websites. Living Waters of Great Comfort, livingwaters.com, Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham, AnswersInGenesis.org. Wall Builders with David Barton, wallbuilders.com. He talks about uh, the majority about the American church history that we have, but he also does you know a lot of other um, like world history. Dr. Walter Martin, waltermartin.org, and he also he has some good videos on hermeneutics, on how to rightly divide the Word of God. And uh, if you would like to, to email us, you go to Bible Education Institute at webnote.com. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. Um, the email is Bible Education Institute at gmail.com. I was giving you the old website that's not working right now. It just kind of froze up, and I can't, like, update it or anything now. So, and I'm working on that. It's probably going to be a minute, a while before I can get to it. Uh, Dr. Greg Bonson, um, you can find him on Apologia Studios with Jeff Durbin and ApologiaStudios.com, and also listen to their uh, the audio on Apple Podcasts. But you can go on to ApologiaStudios.com. And go into the search engine and put in Dr. Greg Bonson. And he was a, a, a Christian professor, a Bible professor, really great. And the, the family, like he's been dead for a while, the family donated all of his audio recordings and they've digitized it. So it's, you know, clear and everything. You get literally a free seminary education by just going onto that website and putting in Dr. Greg Bonson or Bonson U. And it'll pull it up and you can start learning. It's incredible. I i listen to it also. Okay. Uh, you can find us on all uh, platforms, and that would be YouTube, Rumble, 
and audio platforms would be Helium Radio Network, heliumradio.com, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Amazon Music, Overcast, Chrome, G-Potter, Firefox, Safari, iTunes, Audible, Alexa, Google Podbean, Internet Explorer, Podcast Addict, and many others now that I've noticed. And let me go over the teacher. And you can also find us on Telegram, Getter, Twitter, Facebook, and Gab. And let me go back over these good teachers. Dr. R.C. Sproul with Ligonier Ministries. Um... Dr. Vody Bakum, Dr. James White, he's also with Apology Studios, and he's got YouTube. Pastor Joel Webbin with Right Response Ministries, and all these people on YouTube, D Doug Wilson, Gary DeMar, and of course, Pastor Jeff Durbin that we went over again. And for me, I do a lot of used books and stuff, and here's some basic ones that I go to. You can buy new or used, and a lot of their used stuff is like new. Um, Abe Books, ABE Books, Thrift Books, Amazon, um, Alibris, A-L-I-B-R-I-S. And there's a lot of other ones that's really good. Like, if you just go to the Google and you put in the book you're looking for, and you put at the end of it used, and it'll bring up all these different uh, companies. There's a bunch of them now. It's getting to be more and more. It's really great. Also, you go on to TCT Network, and there's one... A uh, programmer that's really good as Faith and History with William Federer. He goes over all church history. It's fantastic. It makes it very interesting. There used to be a, a, a Jewish a rabbi who taught the Old Testament, and, and like he really got into the Hebrew and everything. And it was really interesting. And he gives you, and he would teach on like moral, like moral things and how to make better decisions and all that kind of stuff. And with it, and uh, and sometimes his wife would be on there too. And they used to be there, but he's off there, so you can find him on rabbidaniellappin.com. That's rabbidaniellappin.com. And uh, the Rabbi Daniel Lappin podcast and on YouTube is really good. And I would suggest, you know, you look him up because you'll learn a lot from him. So, till the next time, remember, read your Bible daily without failing to do what it says. And if you haven't already, find a good Bible-believing teaching in church.